0: Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. So today I've entitled the message, uh, Three Calls to Come. The Three Calls to Come. And looking through scripture, I see that um, there are different ways that God calls us. At, even at different places in our journey. And uh, I want to just look at three of them today that I found that I thought might be kind of fun. Um, the thing about this message today is that it's going to ca- cause all of us to have to respond in some way, which I think is a good thing. Uh, and, uh, and I think that this is going to be an encouragement to some of you. In our first service, we had so many people that came to faith in Jesus today. Um, and so we're, we're just praying that God will change your life and become a friend, become your Lord, become your Savior, become your close companion. And uh, that's, our, that's our heart in all of this. Um, the three calls to come, you can repeat it after me. Come in, come out, and come up. Let's do that one more time. Come in, come out, and come up. That should be pretty easy to remember, right? So, number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write, Come in. And this is, um, this is basically a, a call to people to come into a relationship with the God who created them. Come into a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and, um, and to come in from living a life uh, in your own strength and your own abilities, a life out in the world. Come into um, a, a place of safety. Um, where where God works in your life. And so Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Um, the message translation, or paraphrase, excuse me, says this. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff even though the crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. That's so good, right? And so God is calling us to come into a relationship with himself, to come into the family of God. And so this whole concept of coming in, um, I, I think back of Uh, three instances where God used an ark. Um, And and, and in each of these situations, it was to preserve life. It was to save life. It was to have people come into that place and and live. And so the first ark we see in scriptures in the book of Genesis, and um, it was a guy named Noah. And the world was so evil and so had had rejected God in every way and, and... God, it says that God was grieved that he even made man. What a, what a horrible scripture. And, um, and so God was just going to, you know, reboot, wipe, wipe humanity out, and start all over again. And, um, and he found Noah and his family were faithful. And so he gave Noah the, the schematics, if you want to call it that, the blueprints to build a boat, to build a vessel, to build an ark that would rescue mankind and it would be through noah's family so if noah wouldn't have been faithful you and i wouldn't even be here today we wouldn't be having this conversation you wouldn't have to make your house payment next month <coughs> um but we know that noah was faithful and 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 we know the whole story where god when, when the waters started to come god called noah and his family and all the animals to come in to the ark he shut the door behind him and he, and he rescued mankind. That, that was the one story. The other story that we find in Exodus is uh, a, a baby named Moses. <clears throat> and Moses had a young mom. And um, the culture was so evil at that time that Pharaoh had put out a decree that every toddler boy uh, would be taken from their Hebrew mother and, and murdered because he was afraid he didn't want a Hebrew to, to, to end up uh, growing up to overthrow uh, Egypt. And so can you imagine being a young mom in that day and having the Roman soldiers come to your door and take your little, your little baby boy from you and then murder him in the streets? Can you imagine how horrible that would be? Well, Moses' mother um, was just, just looking for a way that God could protect her little son. So she made a little basket out of reeds, And she put this little baby in this basket, and she she just pushed him out into this little stream, and um, and as God would have it, um, as as the little baby was floating down this river in this basket, no one other than Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby has compassion on it, brings the Hebrew baby into her household, raises the baby as her own. And the, the great thing about the story is she employed Moses' real mother to take care of the baby, so she still got to be a part of the baby's life. Only God could do that. And we know that Moses went on to rescue the uh, the the Hebrew people from bondage and slavery and bring them into um, the land that God had promised. So um, in that case, even um, that ark, that little ark uh, rescued uh, that baby and preserved life. The other instance uh, is in, in the wilderness, God had them build um, this chest and layered it with gold and it, had, it was very ornamental and it was called the Ark of the Covenant. And um, the Ark of the Covenant, wherever that was, the, the presence of God dwelt where that Ark was at. And, um, and we know that even in, even in times of moving it, transporting it from place to place, if, if people tried to do their own thing and not listen to God, they would die. And so it was a very holy, holy uh, thing. And um, the, the crazy thing about uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was that you had to be in the place the Ark was to, to experience the presence of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, we read that um, the temple, in the, uh, the, the veil in the temple, which was a foot thick, and it was, I forget, 30, 40 feet high, 60 feet high, was ripped from top to bottom, and that, 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 that curtain, that one foot thick curtain, separated us from the Holy of Holies and where the presence of God would be. And when God ripped that from top to bottom, not bottom to top, man could have took credit for that, it was top to bottom, he basically said, come boldly before my throne, come into my presence. And so um, that, the, the ark in that case uh, calls us to come in to his presence so that we can have life and that we can live. So there's three examples of a type of ark, a type of, uh, of, of uh, life-preserving Life preserver that, that you could take from this story. And, and so, the significance of all these arcs, there's a ribbon that runs through all of it, and it's this it was the fact that there was a sin problem that was destroying people. And the ark, in all three cases, actually, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, actually, um, uh, helped people deal with that sin. I don't know what I sw- I think I swallowed a dragonfly or something. I'm not sure. <clears throat> It feels like I swallowed a crow or a seagull or something. <clears throat> God saw that sin was destroying his people, and God was making a way to deal with that sin. You know, we all deal with sin. There's none of us here that are sinless. Now, there's some that would, and I used to think this, like I would, I would judge my righteousness by the, the uh, Ten Commandments. And I'd say, well, I only, I only broke nine of them. I'm doing pretty good. Some of you have broke all ten and then some. Some have not broken any, you, you know, the Ten Commandments. I mean, you're like, well, I don't know if I've broken any of them. I'm pretty good. The, the reality is, is none of us can ever be righteous in God's sight in our own strength, in our own goodness. It just, it's, it's impossible. He's such a holy God. And, and so um, the problem with sin is that we're all born into it. Um, we, we all have this sin nature. It causes us to always do the wrong thing. And uh, it compels us to always do the wrong thing. And even, even the scripture, when it talks about <clears throat> um, us making bad decisions, it always says the sin living in us. You know, lust comes from the sin living in me. It's not necessarily an outward thing. It's what's in me already. And so God saw this, that this, this issue of sin was destroying his people and causing this great rift between him and his people because of his holiness. <clears throat> the thing about sin is this. Sin will always keep you there longer than you were uh, originally intending to stay in that place. When you give in to sin, it's going to hold you there a lot longer than you intended to be there. It always costs you more than you're willing to pay. It, always, it, it never gives back, but it always takes. It never brings freedom. It always, always, always brings bondage of some sort. And sin never ends up right. It always ends up wrong. Every time. And so we had the sin issue, and, and the ark uh, really represented a new beginning. God's saying, come in, come into my presence, come into my safety, and you have a new start. You have a new beginning. And that's exactly what happens when we say yes to a relationship with the Son of God. And we say, God, come into my life and forgive me of, of this sin problem, and, and, and fill me with your spirit, and transform me, and change me, and, you know, the... I don't have the power to, to necessarily repent. I don't have the power to, to, to make the change in my own strength because, good Lord, how many times I tried to do the right thing and I would fail every time. But once the Spirit of God came in my life and the Holy Spirit filled my life, I, I basically slammed on the brakes, did a 180, and headed in the other direction. That's what repentance means. I didn't even know what it meant. I just did it, and now I know what it means. And so the the reality is is we we need to understand how much we need his presence. We need to come in to a relationship with him. The second call that I see in Scripture is come out. Come out. And there are times that God will call you out of circumstances, call you out of relationships, call you out of things that are not good for you, things that are harming you, things that have the potential to kill you. I believe that there are people in this room today that God has been dealing with you about maybe a relationship that God is calling you out of because it's not good or calling you out of a particular situation. Maybe it's a friend group or maybe it's a, a job that's toxic or whatever it might be, but God is calling you out because he loves you so much and he wants you to be healthy and whole. So there was a guy in Scripture by the name of Lot. And uh, he was related to Moses, or Abraham, I'm sorry. And uh, uh, he was a guy, when you track his life, he struggled with obedience. He struggled with commitment, being fully in for God. He struggled with all that, and his life showed the disaster of of being um, kind of having one foot in both places. Let me just say that there is no... uh, there, there, there's not a worse place to be in the world than when you're when you're half in for God and half in the world. It is miserable because you're not happy in either world. You know enough of God to be convicted, and 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 when you're out in the world totally you know, you're, you're, you're feeling guilty and convicted, but I mean, when you're half in for God, you, you, you deal with the consequences of your decisions based on living in the world. So it's, it's a terrible place to be. Lot really fit into that category. He was just kind of wishy-washy when it came to his relationship with God. So they were traveling together, Lot's tribe, Abraham's tribe, There was conflict among the tribe, among the family, and they got to a point where Abraham brought brought him to a valley, and he said, look it, it's time for us to part ways. You can take either land that you want. One, One land was completely beautiful, lush, green meadows, trees, beautiful. The other side, not so nice. Lot, being unselfish as he was, said, I want the good side. And he took it. And Abraham was very gracious and said, okay, you take it. See, the difference was Abraham had God on his side. <clears throat> so Lot, this is good. Lot went after that which was appealing to him. That which his senses said, this looks good. Isn't that really sin? You ever notice that when we give in to sin, it looks good at the moment? It looks appealing. It kind of draws us there like, yeah, that, that looks pretty good. What's it going to hurt? Just what's it going to hurt one time? Just what's it going to hurt and we know that once you go there, well, that's what happened a lot. And we, 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 we see then his life uh, was a struggle. He, there was four kings that came in at one point and, and captured him and his family. Abraham had to go and get him out of trouble and rescue him. And then there was another time that, um, and this is the time you've probably heard about, that um, uh, he was living in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah in these two cities. He was living in one of them and, uh, with his family, and God said to Abraham, I am going to destroy these two cities because of the level of sin, the level of rebellion. I'm, it's just horrible. And I'm going to destroy them. And, and Abraham knew that Lot and his family were there and started praying and negotiating with God, saying, God, what if you found 50 people that were righteous? Would you still destroy it? And, you know, and, and whittle him down to one family. And God, in every case, said, you know what? If there's, if there's one family, if there's 10 people that's faithful, I won't destroy for their part. or So what happened was <clears throat> God then sent two angels. Now, <clears throat> if you look at the Hollywood version of angels, you're going to think of these two guys with in, dressed in white with big wings that have feathers on them and they're carrying around a harp and they just kind of hang out on a cloud all day long and sing hallelujah. That's not what an angel is in scripture. An angel is a warrior. Think of Braveheart on steroids. That's an angel. That, that, an angel an angel's going to come in and, and take care of business, all right? And, and so we see, uh, I want to pick it up. This is a twisted story. I'm just going to tell you right out of the gate. And I'm only going to read part of it. This is a twisted family here. And I believe it was all because their high priest, Lot, of the family was not fully committed to God. And you see it all the way through the family. So this is what happens in the book of uh, Genesis 19, verse 1, it says that that evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. And then he welcomed them and bowed his face to the ground. He might have sensed that they were from God. It says, he said, my lords, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. Then you may get up early in the morning and be on your way again. And they said, oh, no, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So far, so good. It sounds like a cool dude, right? So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. This is where it gets twisted. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them what you wish. Not going to get the father of the year award here. "'But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests, and they are under my protection.' "'Stand back,' they shouted. "'This fellow uh, came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. "'We'll treat you far worse than those other men.' And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, and so they gave up trying to get inside.' Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, Do you have any other relatives here in the city? Get them out of this place, your son-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughters, fiancés, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels came insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out of here right now or you'll be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the, how many know that delayed obedience is still disobedience? When Lot hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside of the city, for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. Because of Lot's leadership and his family, his family kind of followed his lead and at one point his wife stopped and looked back at the city and she was turned into a pillar of salt. There, there's a in, in that part of uh, Israel today, there are these grotesque salt formations that um, many uh, Hebrew people believe are a reminder from God not to look back when God calls you out of something. And so, uh, crazy story, and it gets really twisted even farther, but we're not going to go there today. God wanted Lot and his family to come out from among them. He wanted them to come out of where they were at, the situation they were in. And and, uh, Lot and his family had an issue with trusting in God completely, and it ended up costing them everything. My question to you today is this. What situation could God be calling you out of? What what thing is there that you're involved with that could destroy you and that the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit is saying, come out of that thing. Come out of that relationship. Come out of that thing because I want to make you whole and I want to heal you and I want you to experience my presence. And that's just a question that I believe that we should all ask ourselves. The third and final call today is come up. There are times that God calls us to come up. So we're going to fast forward to the New Testament and we're going to read an instance where Jesus um, went up and called those around him to himself. What I love about Jesus is this. Um, in the time that he was here, he would get overwhelmed with the needs. He would get overwhelmed with the ministry. He could heal a thousand people. There would be another thousand still waiting to be healed. There was the, the need was endless. And there were times that he would become overwhelmed and spent. And what would Jesus do? Um, he, would, he would get a tape series of self-help from dr phil and he would listen to it and no what he would do is he would withdraw and he would he would climb a mountain and he would spend time with his heavenly father he would he would spend time getting a fresh perspective he would f- spend time getting refreshed and 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 listen uh, if jesus needed to do that do you think that you and i could escape having not to i i need it more than he would ever need it <laughs> There are times that I need to just pull back and retreat and spend time with God and hear his voice. But this, this story is amazing in Mark 3. It says, afterward, Jesus went up. Everyone say went up. He went up on a mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. And so they went up the mountainside to join him. And he appointed the twelve and he named whom he named apostles and he wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends so that he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Jesus went up and he called those that he wanted to go up with him. Let me let me tell you, I, I believe with all my heart that God is calling every one of us today in this room to a higher walk. To a higher level, and and it's it's when God calls us to that. This is the thing: climbing a mountain's not easy. Climbing a mountain's not easy. So one time, about uh, twenty years ago, maybe not even that long, fifteen years ago, we were in Georgia, and we got this great idea to climb Stone Mountain. You ever been there? Anyone ever been to Stone Mountain in Georgia? My wife had on a pair of sandals. And let me just tell you, we we got up to the top of that mountain, and I, I thought I lost her forever. She was she was delirious. Um, she had the biggest blisters I have ever seen on the bottom of her feet from wearing. Remember those sandals? Remember those blisters? How big they were? They were huge. And uh, it, it remember remember how tired we were when we got to that mountain? I mean, we had two little kids, man. We were. We were, and I was kind of out in the front and, you know, having the kids go behind us. We got to the top of that mountain, and it it was so um, uneventful. It was like, why did we just do all this? It was like a stone mountain. We just, okay, we're good. Now we take the elevator down. But if you want to go higher in God, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some pain. It's going to cause you to want to get out and climb. You know, when you fall, that doesn't have to be intentional when you, when you fall. But when you climb, it's intentional. And so God wants all of us to go up higher so that we can be his close companions. So that we can be with him. So that we can can um, have that, just have that friendship with Him, where we we sense His presence. There's nothing that will refresh your life more than when you go, when you choose to climb and go higher in Him. And and let, let me just say this: um, this thing called prayer, th- this this thing called prayer that we have as a tool is unbelievable. I feel like sometimes prayer's gotten a bad rap because people have prayed in a certain way that it seems like you and I could never pray that way. We could never pray. I could never pray eloquently in the King James, because I think the more King James you use, the more spiritual you are. Oh, blessed Heavenly Father, we loveth you, thou holy God. You got to put the da on the end of it. Just more spiritual. And when I first became a Christian, I'm like, I can't pray like that. I kind of sound like an idiot when I pray, like, God, help me, rescue me, save me. You know, right? But I want to tell you something, prayer's kind of gotten a bad rap. Prayer is the most amazing tool that we have. Prayer is, is coming into the presence of God, it's, it's entering the throne room of the king that's above every king in the world. It, it, it's, it's taking our concerns to the one who cares for us more than anyone in this world. It's communicating with the creator of the universe, communicating. It's, 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 a, it's a child talking to his daddy. Who is papa it's calling out to the one who can truly save us it's touching the one that loves us with an unquenchable unfailing love as we just sing. it's reaching out to the never tired never confused never afraid never taken by surprise god it's connecting our lives with the all-knowing all-present and all-powerful god It's coming up. It's coming near. And I want to encourage you to take time. You have to be intentional to climb, but God is calling all of us to go higher. And so we have to be intentional with spending time with him. We have to be intentional with unplugging and and spending a few moments with him in his presence. and And I'll just say one other thing about prayer. Sometimes I think we talk way too much. We need to be listening more just need to be comfortable sitting in his presence and saying, God, speak to my heart about this situation. And in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, God will speak to you and drop something in your heart and you'll instantly feel a sense of peace and you should always follow that peace and that'll guide you through any situation that you're in. Genesis tells us that when God created man, He breathed the breath of life, the Ruach, the, the, the soul, into Adam. He breathed into him, and Adam went from being mud to being a living, thinking, rationalizing person. And that's the first instance that we see that the presence of God, um, that, 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 that God chose His place to dwell was in man. In the, in the presence of man, inside of man. And since the fall of man, God has been intentionally um, restoring his personal presence in the lives of people. And do you know that you and I were created for the presence of God? That's why when you live your life without him, and, and you, you, you can reach success in the greatest levels of the world, you could, you could be the wealthiest person in the room you could have the greatest job in the, in the room you could drive the nicest cars you could you could fulfill everything on the checklist that the world tells you is successful and be empty inside why is that because we were made for the presence of god and when you find it you are so fulfilled you, you don't even know what to say because there's something in your heart that shifts and you're like i feel so different than i ever have in my life I, I, I feel different on the inside. Why? Because you were made to inhabit the presence of God. Moses understood the value of the presence of God when he, was, he had a conversation with God. And Moses was leading the whole nation. And he said this. He said, he said God, if you don't personally go with us, Don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. Moses is saying, God, we're not going to take one step forward unless you're with us. David said in Psalm 91 that those who live in the shelter of the Most High We'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What a great word picture there. But that word live comes from the Hebrew word that, that, that it means habitation. Habitation, it means where you live. And we get the, the word habit from the word habitation. And so I think, I think what, what the psalmist is trying to say is that when we live, when, when we allow God to, to habitate in us, that he finds his habitation in us, that the habit that we have is to want to spend time in his presence. Spending time with God. Jesus said that he wanted his disciples to be continually at his side as his friends and so that he could send them out to preach. Let me just say this, my friend. God is not this angry cop or this angry judge just waiting for you to do the wrong thing so he can strike you dead or make you pay the price. That's not what God... God is a father. And the thing about good fathers, they will discipline you. They whip your butt. And God has whipped my butt many times. And I needed it. Thank God. But a father will stop at nothing to go after his son or daughter. Nothing. A father will chase after you your whole life because he loves you and he he wants you to have relationship with him and he will never, ever, ever, ever give up on you. Right? Jesus drew those men close to him so that they could go out and change the world, and that went on. That's went on for generation after generation, and we find ourselves today recipients of of that encounter. And the thing is this: um, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. God um, wants to draw you near. Your authority and your power does not come from having a title or a position. Your authority and power comes from having an intimate relationship with the king. That's what empowers you. I love that story of Peter. He's walking along. He comes across a beggar. The beggar's asking for money. And Peter says, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. I like that. I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and Walk. Listen, you and I might not have two quarters to rub together, but what we have, we should give, and that's the power of God in our lives, and see God do miracles in people's lives. As our band comes up, God is either calling you to one of three ways today. He's calling you to come in, to friendship with Him, relationship with Him, to come into that place where you experience his presence. Maybe he's calling you to come out of a situation because you need to be rescued. And I believe the final call is that he's calling you to come up to be with him, to be with him so that you can go higher in your walk. Could you stand with me and, and uh, I just want to ask a, a, just a couple of questions today and we're going to just sing another song here in a minute. But before we do, um, how many people here? Just just for my information, I I'll, I'll pray for you this week. But how many here? God has been speaking to you about coming out of something. Maybe it's a He's calling you out of a situation. He's calling you out of a a, a, a relationship or a job. It's just it's something. It doesn't matter what it is. But but you know, today God spoke to you and said, "I'm calling you out of something." Is there anyone here that that's been you? All right, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, how about? Um, how about uh, you're here today and God is calling you up to a higher walk with him. You, you know it. God is wanting you to go higher. He's wanting you to climb. He's wanting you to go to a higher place in him. That's, that's awesome. So the last question is this. Um, before I ask it, maybe you're here today and you have never, ever asked Jesus into your life to become Lord of your life, to become the leader of your life you've been trying to live life and do things in your own strength and power and you realize that no matter how hard you try, you still come up short. You still feel unfulfilled. You still uh, feel guilty over decisions that you've made, sins that you've committed. I mean, we're all in the same boat, man. We're all, we're all sinners. All of us. And uh, you realize today that God is calling you to come in to a relationship with Him. You've never done it before, but you feel like today, man, Lord, I want to I want to have you come in and be the number one in my life. And I want to fully submit my life to you. And I want to lay everything at your feet. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. And, and it has nothing to do with the harbor. It has nothing to do with the denomination. It has everything to do with a relationship with a living God that loves you, that's crazy about you, that pursues you as a father that just wants you to have life and wants you to become great, wants you to be with him. So we're going to pray. I want everyone to pray with me here um, today because I think some maybe need to pray that again. Say, Lord, you've went from number one, you're somewhere down about three and a half right now, and I want to put you back on the throne of my life and get my priorities right. But just pray this with me today if you wouldn't mind, just everyone. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for reminding me of my need for you. So today, Lord, I ask you to come into my life, to sit on the throne of my heart. I will submit everything to you. Lord, please forgive me of all of my sins and give me the strength to turn and walk in a new direction. Fill me with your spirit and empower me form and change my life I want to go up to be with you to walk with you in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to today's message If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step